0: Welcome to How to Scale, the podcast by Frog Capital focused on helping software companies to successfully scale up. For more than 10 years, we have developed a solid understanding of the common challenges that scale-up companies face. With our group of operating partners, we have learned from years of experience, we have created the scale-up methodology, which brings together insights and tools to help improve companies' probability of reaching sustainable profitability. Each podcast looks at a different challenge that all companies will face on their way to scale. My name is Jens Duing, I'm one of the senior partners at Capital, the investor focused on purpose-driven European software companies in the scale-up phase. Over the last 20 years, my own personal journey has led me to work in this space, challenging the status quo to identify better ways to tackle problems. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up. For the podcast at frogcapital.com slash podcast today's episode is focused on collaboration teamwork's foundation stone with john sutherland we spoke to john in a previous episode focused on senior team development in the real world if you didn't hear that episode john is one of frock's operating partners and is a specialist leadership team development consultant he works with the companies frock invests in to assess their senior teams assist with new key hires and develop team culture. This time, we'll dive deeper into topics including building team culture and language with the rules of belonging, fostering an environment for robust contention, nurturing strong collaboration, teamwork in miniature, and dealing with difference. John, it's great to have you with us again. One of the topics that is actually foremost in the literature right now is how successful teams move away from what previously was a hierarchical approach to a new
1: approach. How does this new approach look like? Have you thought about this? I have Jens, and it happens all the time. And so, as I'm sure you know, the old approach that we're used to is based on hierarchy. And so if you ask someone to draw you a diagram of their organisation, what they typically do is they start drawing the CEO at the top and then a line, and people who report to her as the CEO and then people who report to those. And so the organising principle that we are so familiar with is hierarchy and it's becoming more and more apparent the massive limitations of a profile that means that you can only do what you've been told to do. So the meta move away from that is towards some version of networking. It's differently described, and you'll come across these terms, whether it's matrix management, holocracy, connected autonomy, which is a model I work with quite a lot at the moment. They are all ways of describing this move away from I do what I'm told I have a very clear line manager to a process whereby I know I need to be collaborating with my colleagues I'm just not yet clear when and how I need to do that and so the thing to explore I think is the way that businesses are finding their way to make collaboration work at scale and at speed because I think that's where the magic dust is for scale up
0: and it's a set up and and way of running your company that as a partnership we are used to to some extent and it's a learning curve
1: How do you set people up to succeed on this learning curve? There are two ways and both are usually required. So the first one is structural and so to begin to actually describe the organization in non-hierarchical ways requires an image, a narrative, a story about actually how the organisation operates. So if you can imagine that when you join an organisation, someone gave you the rules of belonging and said, hey Jens, welcome to FROG, this is actually how it runs. So don't wait to be instructed by somebody, this is your role, this is the people you need to be working with, this is how this organisation runs. And so you need some sort of instructional code to demystify the process of working together but then you need something else in addition. So that's the structural part, but the part that's harder to get to is the behavioral part. And what's required is to make sure that people actually understand that the nexus, the core, the kernel of the whole thing is about the ability to collaborate. That's where it all rests. If I'm unable to collaborate, I cannot work in a networking world, either inside my organization with my colleagues, if I'm too independent, or even more importantly, externally in partnerships, joint ventures, including investors. If I know how to collaborate internally and externally, I'm ready, signed up for this new world, this new venture. And for purpose-led organisations, it is a given that you have to have a collaborative stance. So collaborative intent is the journey. And as far as I'm concerned, collaboration is teamwork in miniature. And so what we could do is unpack what collaboration actually means in practice.
0: And I think we should absolutely do that, because I'm very sure that among our listeners right now there is nobody there who thinks, oh, I'm not a collaborator. I'm sure that's true. But what does good collaboration look like?
1: I was working with a government organisation who were doing a review on collaboration, in fact in the energy sector, and they used the word collaboration to mean being helpful. Well, that's not what collaboration means at all. I was doing an inquiry with an engineering business in the northeast of England, and they did some work themselves into collaboration. And after three months of thinking about it, exploring it, they came back and said, John, we have worked it out. Collaboration means having a positive argument. So a positive argument is where I know that I need to get to the point of difference with you, because there's no point having a Jens and a John unless we actually get the benefit of the fact that you're different from me and I'm different from you. And so if I take the stance that we're going to disagree, but in a positive way, Mm -hmm. I'm quite a long way along the road to know how to do collaboration. Because in collaboration, there are some truths that don't change. And one of the truths is that you know you've collaborated because the outcome of collaboration is a solution, a decision, an idea that at the start of our discussion, I didn't have and you didn't have. So if I've managed to pull you over to my side and won the argument, I'm not collaborating, I'm collaborating. That's entirely different. If I sort of meet you halfway, I'm cooperating. But by definition, collaboration means that a new hybrid idea has emerged from the intensity of our ability to deal with difference. And then we can begin to explore these differences between us. Rather than saying, this is my idea, how dare you not see it my way? I'm saying, here's my starter for 10, and when we get into dialogue, and it may be quite a strong dialogue, it's not cosy, collaboration isn't a cup of tea in the afternoon, it can be hard work. And it's hard work for a particularly interesting neurological reason, which is that when I present my thinking, I've already thought it through. My brain is set up to work very efficiently, not to waste energy, by repeating things I've already thought through in some depth. To collaborate, because we are finding a new way of operation and thinking, I, we, have to literally create some new neural pathways. And the process of that means that we have to be willing to get to the point of staying with some confusion and some chaos, some discomfort, we're not making progress feelings, because we have to go through a process whereby we feel uncertain before we start to see a new way of thinking about the thing that we're focused on. That's collaboration.
0: And that sounds incredibly powerful, and I have two questions around this topic. The first one is concerning the team you already have. Yes. So you now understand you want to collaborate more. How can you help teams to
1: do that, to collaborate more? By recognising that some of the things they work on require collaboration, but not all of them. So one thing I do when I'm working with teams is I ask them a simple question. Of the things you currently work on, what requires collaboration and actually what's most efficiently done by you getting on with it by yourself? Maybe checking in with me from time to time, but just getting on with it. So there are certain aspects of your business that definitely require collaboration. For example, as a senior team, setting strategy. It cannot be a lone director task, it's not possible. If I identify the business benefit of collaboration, why we need to have the best thinking of all our minds, then I'm more inclined to put myself through the difficulty and discomfort of staying with it. And then the second thing, is that if I know the journey, the navigation I'm going to go through, I know that actually I'm going to go through a period of not knowing or feeling frustrated or feeling concerned that we're not really making much progress. If I know that in advance, it's easier to stay with it, especially in a business where it's frantic and very busy the whole time. So collaboration has a different rhythm from normal business. It is slower. It is more deliberate. It is more step by step. It is more exploratory.
0: And I think elements that we've seen in our portfolio is it needs a degree of intentionality. Yes. You need to be explicit about this is now one topic on which you want to collaborate on, or this could be a collaborating meeting, and that sets certain behaviours and languages. And we see teams perform better when they have mastered this or to a certain degree have mastered this. But with that comes then in in this next phase of evolution, another problem, and that is how do you integrate
1: newcomers? Intentionality really helps. There's another aspect of that, which is... the the golden road to collaboration is signalled by coherence. So if you have a very, very clear view of what it is we're looking to achieve, it enormously helps collaboration. And then to your point, so we have this team now working in a way where it's more than the best idea wins. People often say that to me. No, no, it's the idea that emerges between us wins. And now somebody joins us and they are looking to make a contribution they need to have the rules of belonging. They need to understand what it means to join this team, how the team operates, and to see it and try it out for some time and to get a guide about actually what happens when we're going through the process of collaboration, what happens when we are in what happens when it feels a bit like a positive argument. That takes some getting used to.
0: And I think it also needs an explicit induction yeah, to help a newcomer come in because these newcomers who come into our businesses, they are... To some extent set in their ways, they're experienced, they're functional experts and all the businesses that they have worked with will have got different roots of belonging and this is is not just a concept up in the sky, this is actually something that can be explored and and can have values and behaviours next to it. And sharing those facilitates the introduction of new team members and
1: helps them to contribute at their full potential from day one. Yes. And you can show people the steps and stages. So one of the steps that happens prior to collaboration is a gathering of different views together, the contending part. Yes. And you can't do collaboration unless you can do contending. And you can't do collaboration unless the working relationships between all the people in the team is robust enough to cope with challenge. So that when you challenge my thinking, I don't run away hurt, I run toward you interested. That's a requirement. And so the ability to gather the ideas and hear the difference, to get to the point of difference quickly, is the step just before we move into the collaboration piece, which is, okay, so now we have assembled all the different views from around the table, what is it that our freshest thinking is emerging here? What is the freshest thinking around this table? Because it's not the thinking I arrived with, it's something that's emerging from the space. And there's a very lovely Nancy Klein process from her work, Time to Think which is to do what she calls a listening circle. And this is collaboration in a structured way. And you go three rounds around the team. The first round is to talk about a topic, and you get three minutes. To talk about a topic and it's timed, because some of us like to talk a lot and some are more reflective. So you get three minutes. Nobody can interrupt you. Goes around in sequence. End of round one. Second round, two minutes. Isn't to repeat what you said because we heard you, is to give your freshest thinking, your emergent thinking. Well, having listened to what Alice said and having listened to how Henry added to that and what Hjorga put on top of that, I've now arrived at this thought, this is new for me. So this is my two rounds of freshest thinking. And then the third round is to give my interim summary. That's a way of doing collaboration through a very straightforward choreography in terms of a teamwork process.
0: It works very well. And it's a good learning step to institutionalize these kinds of processes. To bring it to a slightly different topic, John, you've worked across the globe, we invest across Europe. The challenges that we see <laughs> in different nations and different capitals and different cities is different. So how do you find working across Europe with different teams, where are the key steps to grow, the key
1: challenges to get to this collaborative teamwork? I was working with a business up in Cambridge, and in the team, we have some mix of backgrounds, including two people from South Africa, and they were being too English. And so I had to stop them and say, look, we have enough English people in the team already, thank you, because as you'll know, as a native German, the English are slow to come forward with the language of leadership, which is clear, concise and direct. Other languages, and your own language, I mean German in itself, as a language, is far more direct than English. And I worked with the guy once who was bilingual English-German, and I used to get him to give his instructions in German, because in German he was very clear. In English, he talked around the point. So, as you'll know, the culture in different countries massively differs, mm-hmm. and the ability to cope with contending, with difference, with challenge, is very different between different cultures. What's usually required in a business, irrespective of where it's located, is to get to a team language that deals with contending. Yeah. And so to grow your own culture as an organisation, which is sort of international, which has the ability to be distress-free, to get to the point of difference quickly, to bring forward your thinking with clarity, and to make sure that you also know, if you need to, that you can raise the things that are under the table, the things that no one wants to talk about, but are important. It's an international language. And so if I'm working with people, for example, in Germany, who are usually more direct, then there's an ability to think about how you get the benefit of that directness and how people who are joining a business in a more direct language know how to fill into how to join into that language too.
0: And I think that's a very good point because, first of all, you have to understand what the different perceptions of your styles are, understand your own preferences and biases, and then help to get to the right result. That matters less whether the language is the clearest or slightly less clear and a bit more sugar-coated. What matters is that it gets understood. That's one piece of work I know that you do quite a lot with our companies to understand is your process fit for purpose?
1: Yes. How do you make sure that the language of leadership is clear, concise and direct and the language of teamwork is intentional and has a clear discipline process behind it. That is the international language of senior teams. If teams have understood all of this, where can it still go wrong? It can all go horribly wrong if we get to believe our own press too much. And so there's a very important ability that senior teams have to maintain, which is to see themselves from outside eyes. And so when we're working so intensely together, as often happens in scale up, there is a risk that we go native, that we start to believe our own press. I've heard what you've said so often, I've begun to believe it. And so my ability to challenge you with fresh eyes reduces. And so it's very important, and it's one of the advantages of the investment process, to make sure that there is some external reference point in dialogue where you can check that you're not colluding or fooling yourself, and actually that you're not thinking about something whilst the market's moved on massively. And then in
0: summary, My question would be to you, what are the three key takeaways for a scale-up CEO to achieve a collaborative team?
1: If you decided that your business needs to have a collaborative team, and that's the first question, the first point is that it's a business-driven decision to have collaboration. It's not because somebody wrote a book about it, it's because actually to achieve your business plan, you need to know how to collaborate internally and externally. The second point is to begin to get familiar with the process of collaborating, to get familiar with the different steps and stages of that process so that you have comfort, especially when you get to the point where it feels like you're not making progress, because usually that's just the moment before a new idea emerges. And the third point is to set the example as the leadership team to the wider organisation so that people look at the team and see collaboration as practical mastery and want to follow it.
0: You can find more content from John, including his previous podcast, at frogcapitalcom teamdevelopment as well as many other scale-up insights and toolkits from our other FROG operating partners. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, sign up for the podcast at frogcapital.com slash podcast. And finally, thank you for listening. We welcome all feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for us to cover in future episodes. So please email howtoscale at frogcapital.com. PROC invests in purpose-driven European software scale-ups, making a positive impact on society. We look for businesses who have reached product-market fit and are generating over 3 million euros of annual recurring revenue, what we see as a characteristic of the scale-up phase. It's a stage where businesses are continuing the path of positive growth, the purpose-driven route to sustainability and profitability. Our own purpose is to help scale the most exciting purpose-driven software companies in Europe. We do this with both Capital and our in-house team of operating partners who work closely with all the companies we invest in to overcome the inevitable challenges scale-ups face.